1: is there any like uh assistance you could give us on, on naming the episode because we can, we don't want to put the word queuing on do they have any do they have any kind of like a code word or anything like
2: I, that's an interesting question like do you think ww1ga uh yeah. <laughs> what the <fuck> is <laughs> see i was just about to ask do you think facebook will be banning those things as well because then now you start getting into like you know the greatest story ever told and and all this other stuff that they throw out there um so is that going to be part of the keywords that are <laughs> that are banned it starts getting complicated after a certain point
3: it does start getting complicated maybe i could just uh, blank just like make <laughs> it more or like a question mark anon or something
2: Yes, you can make it even more uh, enigmatic that way.
3: <laughs> or use the next letter in sequence.
2: Yeah, you could do that. Uh, or, or, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> All
3: right, guys, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, and uh, this is the first show that we have done fully after the Strange Realities Conference. And yep. uh, hello, Surfiel. Hey,
1: Adam, how you doing?
3: i'm doing all right man just uh st- still kind of recovering from the hangover from strange realities but uh we thought we would bring on a guest this week that we haven't had on in a little while and that's robert guffey robert welcome to Conspiracy normal
2: I thank you Back. for having me on
3: yeah Very well. yeah i was uh my dad was actually asking me today like who do you have on today and i was like telling him about uh who you were and the, these articles that you've written and Said that I had spent like a four hours with you in Long Beach, California. You know, talking about weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded like an hour of that, but it's like it was like a four hour conversation. Yeah. And recently, uh, you did these a series of five articles over a series, I think, of about five weeks for Salon, about basically about QAnon. And this is something that we really have not touched on a lot. I think we've kind of danced around it a little bit uh, in some discussions that we've had. But uh, we're going to kind of like talk about it kind of full force tonight. Um, So really, Robert, you know, I I know that this is kind of a weird question considering it's kind of hard to not have any attention brought to it. But uh, what kind of first brought your attention to this like? you know, odd conspiracy theory that a lot of people seem to be following
2: these days? Well, of course, first, I first was aware of it when Q first pop, popped up on 4chan, which was, I think, November of 2017, but I didn't pay that much attention to it. I mean, I had friends who were following it, but I really didn't give it much attention uh, and didn't feel the need to give it much attention until really earlier this year, um when it was just soon after the lockdown and I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone and I've known him for many years and he's about 10 years older than I am so he's in his 50s and lives in the Midwest and uh he starts telling me about how COVID-19 is going to be a positive uh development for the United States in 2020 and I said "Well how what do you mean?" Uh, and then he starts telling me about how, um, how Trump, when he's reelected in 2020, the president's going to deliver free energy to everybody and uh, he's going to abolish the income tax. And at, that, at this very moment, and he was telling me this like in March, uh, all these troops had been deployed underground where they were busy cleaning out covert subterranean tunnels and uh, he said they were saving hundreds of children, thousands of children, from satanic slaves uh, and kicking out the, quote, black hats, unquote. Uh, and then he said that uh, the news of this would be coming out soon. That, that, that's a consistent theme in the QAnon narrative. Is right. the, news, the, the news of this is going to break out soon. Uh, and he said, uh, this is an exact quote, Trump will have to use the emergency broadcast system to give this news to the American people because the media keeps lying and social media like Twitter and YouTube are censoring and deleting videos that report reality the way it actually is. And ironically, today uh, on October 6, Facebook uh, announced that they would be uh, censoring any uh, QAnon posts which if I had a conspiratorial bent of mind, I would have to wonder, does the Facebook corporation want to make it seem as if QAnon is a hundred percent accurate? Uh, is there, is there Cause QAnon that's ban? the way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. When in history has someone's argument been weakened by suppressing it. I never. So true believers love martyrs and this will only make it seem even stronger. Just yeah, earlier it's
3: just, just going to make it worse. Right.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it, it, Surprises me that otherwise reasonable people do not see this. Uh, Q posted a link to an NBC story about uh, Facebook banning QAnon uh, with just two words. Just earlier today, it just said information warfare. So I mean, already that's the that's the inevitable spin on it. It just makes Q's argument seem even more credible. So uh, I asked him, you know, well, what, what, are you, what are you basing all this on? And so he sent me a bunch of links to the original Q posts and to various QAnon videos. Uh, and I immediately detected something that I don't think would be obvious to anyone uh, who had been intimately familiar with conspiracy theories going back three decades. Uh, and that is, and I think most reasonable people probably wouldn't have, would have stopped watching after like a minute and a half. Uh, but I kept barreling through it all. And I noticed that the QAnon narrative, the mythology that has accrued over the past four years is, uh, it has been pilfered from previous sources, some of them going back to the late 1800s. Right. And, uh, the, and the most fascinating pattern that I noticed is that they would take some sort of conspiracy theory, the original content of which was anti-fascist at its core, like some of the conspiracy theories of May Brussels from the, uh, from the sixties and seventies, uh, or, and they would take it and flip it. So that now it was pro-fascist, pro-conservative, pro-martial law, and ultimately in the end, pro-Trump. And I thought, well, that's kind of suspicious. Uh, And so, for example, one of the main, I immediately recognized that a lot of this stuff was coming from um, uh, Operation Vampire Killer 2000, which was a booklet that was uh, published in the early 1990s. It was published by Jack McLam, who was an uh, ex-police officer in Arizona, and he started this group called Police Against the New World Order. And this is in the early 90s before the militia movement gets all tied up in Oklahoma City bombing. Right. So, at the beginning, if you just if you're just reading um, Operation Vampire Killer 2000, it's clear that these people are they're ex-law enforcement officers. They're libertarians, uh, but they're not pro-Republicans. They they were more. The main purpose of the pamphlet was to like warn people about factions in the government using a fake crisis to declare martial yes. law, and and these guys were libertarians who were opposed to militarizing the police they were opposed to fascism and they were opposed to the Republican Party and so within a few years these these libertarians kind of morphed into the militia movement of the mid to late 90s uh, and so for decades these people have been concerned about imminent martial law uh, and, and 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 about the possibility that there are these secret Concentration camps being built across the United States, and they'd have documentaries that they would do and f- photographs of uh, ca- military bases where the the chain link fences were uh, facing inward rather than outward, and they said it was to keep the people in when they put all the you know true Christian patriots into the concentration camps, and and th- this was going on for decades. Then suddenly, in November 2017, when Trump was at his lowest approval ratings ever, Q suddenly appears and begins posting messages and, and photographs and four chan that, that seem to indicate that this person has access to the White House. And then, uh, within weeks, the same uh, group of people who had been so concerned about secret concentration camps suddenly spun around uh, 180 degrees and decided, no, martial law is actually it's a good thing. Uh, because Q uh, is saying that it's the, the damn liberals that we put into the concentration camps, not the right-wing Christians, so now <laughs> now it's okay. Uh, so And I thought that was fascinating. I mean, to take a group of people who had had this intense concern about imminent martial law for for going back to the early 90s and to spin them around within a matter of weeks because of an anonymous poster on 4chan, and say, "Oh, uh, I see now. Uh, if, if if Trump declares martial law, I shouldn't be concerned about that. I shouldn't run and grab my guns. Uh, this is all part of the plan." Uh, and I, I thought that that was an incredible, almost like sociological or behavioral experiment. Yeah. Uh, and some say QAnon. You know, it's a Russian disinformation campaign and. And certainly, maybe foreign intelligence agencies might be exploiting it. But to me, the telltale details and the cultural references, the references to Adrenochrome and uh, Hunter S. Thompson and really obscure, like Fordian figures like Richard Shaver, uh, mm-hmm. right. really point towards a source much closer to home. Uh, and it seems to me that it's some sort of group of people whose job was to steep themselves in in fringe conspiracy culture then retrofit it for the 21st century right and uh uh i mean right before we went on the air you were mentioning the the dumbs the deep underground military bases and uh one of the links that my friend sent me was this this guy named uh rick renee the the blessed uh something Channel on on YouTube and there's thousands thousands of, of followers. And he's is, that,
3: this, uh, is that also with his mysterious friend Gene? Is with his him?
2: mysterious friend Gene, yes. Who yes. has his his source of information is is a, a Canadian intelligence officer. And Gene will post these drawings and paintings as evidence of the deep underground military bases. I mean, they're they're clearly paintings. And then he'll post them. <laughs> he'll say, Oh, you see, here's the underground base uh here's you know the the blood-filled abattoir oh, uh, 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 underground wow. and no one ever no one ever stops and says isn't that a painting isn't that clearly a drawing
3: yeah wasn't the blood stuff the blood-filled abattoir stuff wasn't that part of some of the original uh like dulce base stuff because i remember adam go rightly telling us about that
4: well, like there that, was that, that, there was a
3: woman that went down supposedly, and she saw like like vats full of blood and weird shit like that.
2: That that that's something I mentioned in the very last part of my QAnon series on Salon. Uh, is that I mentioned Greg Bishop's book Project Beta and and no. Paul Benowitz and how so many of these elements of the QAnon mythology seem to mirror <laughs> uh, so many aspects of the of the cover story that Richard Doty was feeding that, that these intelligence officers were feeding Paul Benowitz because to, to make a long story very short, Paul Benowitz who lived next to this military base uh, thought he was seeing UFOs when in fact he was seeing these covert um, operations going on at the military base. So they decided he Benowitz went to them with, with with his photographs and said, Look look what I've captured. Uh, obviously there are these aliens observing your military base. And they said, Oh no, now he's going to a- accidentally capture something, you know, some sort of sensitive information. We need to keep to send a bunch of decoys his way to keep him as far away from the truth as possible. So it was Richard Doty's job to keep feeding him all these little crumbs and little clues, uh, and then Benowitz would. Take, pick up the crumbs, add his own interpretation of them, and then feed them back to Doty. And then Doty would take what he had made up and then give him some more confirmation bias, <laughs> clues and evidence to keep the thing going. And eventually, literally drove Benowitz crazy, where he ended up in a psych ward because they they basically pushed him over the edge.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, and and one of those elements was that, that there were these deep underground military bases. Subterranean wars between the military and these underground beasties, as you said, the the abattoir of of, of blood. It was, I believe, Krista mm-hmm. Tilton who went down yes. and saw the, yeah, the, the, the 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 hybrids floating and these vats of fluid and uh, <laughs> etc. Uh, the all, all, it's, so it's strange to me that there are so many mirrored elements from a story that we know. Was a military disinformation campaign directed right. towards Ball Benowitz. When we see these same elements pop up in Qanon, that should give one pause. <laughs> right.
1: There was well, because also that the, uh... that was to obscure, you know, actual things he might have found out. And now that we know of, say, yeah. like actual um, uh, uh, human trafficking that relates to people in power, like the Epstein stuff. You know, the QAnon seem, the material seems to be obscuring people from going down, um, you know, trails that could actually lead to real things. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, well, yeah, there's, this, there's a documentary called Out of Shadows, which I'm sure you're well aware of, uh, which took the Internet by storm back in April, I believe. And it's, it's like a thinly disguised QAnon recruitment video. Uh, I don't think it ever even mentions QAnon at at any point. Though some of the participants will throw out some, you know, QAnon code phrases like the greatest story ever told and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, in the documentary, they go into uh, Jeffrey Epstein. They go into all this stuff. Uh, and everybody who's ever been connected to Hollywood is a Satan worshipper, except Kanye West and Donald Trump. Is <laughs> that was the main thing I came away uh... from it uh... and and despite the fact that donald trump is on listed on page eighty five of jeffrey epstein's little black book he he is not mentioned at all uh... in the documentary in connection to, to epstein uh... but 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 hillary and and bill uh... they they go into them you know in in extreme detail uh... and it it puzzles me why well why is donald trump then left out of this equation in the documentary it seems to me that if jeffrey epstein who Clearly, you know, uh, probably 98% chance did not commit suicide. Uh, If he was, uh, in fact, being sponsored by some sort of foreign intelligence agency, then obviously he's gathering blackmailable information to be used against the people who are listed in his book. And that would include people like Prince Andrew. It would include people like Bill Clinton, but it would also include Donald Trump. So why why they only focus… Uh, why, why they only focus on one half of the equation uh, is mysterious to me. Um, and, and then, and then, and then you have um, uh, that the QAnon narrative also draws on a lot of the anti-masonic, uh, the anti-illuminati stuff that goes way back to Leo Taxel's book, *The Mysteries of Freemasonry*, from the 1870s, where uh, that was a that was a hoax that went on for a, a decade or more, where Taxel made up this woman named Diana Vaughn, uh, who was this sort of demonic. Uh, well, th- this woman who was uh, consorting with demons. Uh, there's one point where Leo Taxel describes this this woman who shapeshifted into a reptile and played the piano. Um uh, <laughs> that's
3: the, that's and, the David Icke stuff. You know, that's
2: Well, that's isn't that like, interesting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a shape-shifting reptilian. That <laughs> right, that goes right. back to to the 1870s. Yeah. Uh and and uh in fact, apparently one of Taxels' cohorts who was aware that he was, you know, making all this stuff up, he he said he goes, "You may have gone a little too far with the with the woman who shape-shifted into the reptile and played the piano." Uh, and he was like, "No, no, no, they'll love it." And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, among Roman Catholics who, who, at the time, just loved to eat up scare stories about Freemasons, uh, mm-hmm. they loved it. And, and Taxel actually came out and eventually had a press conference after about 12 years and said that this was the most fantastic hoax of our times, the greatest story ever told. Uh, it was the most fantastic hoax of our times, and he admitted to it and then, after he admitted to it, all the people who had been following the story just retrofitted his confession you know into the story, like well, they made him say it was a hoax oh, you know it's, there's a certain point where you can't nothing if you're a true believer, nothing you can say is going to break the hypnotic trance you know i mean if if photographs came out of Donald Trump consorting with some hairless Eight-year-old waif with Jeffrey Epstein recording it all on a cell phone. They would say, "Oh, well, Donald would you know Donald Trump had to infiltrate them uh, in order to fight the, the deep state." You know, uh, either that or they'd that.
3: say it's like a deep fake or something like that because that technology exists. You know, they, they'd find yeah they'd find some they'd find some some excuse to justify it. That's for sure.
2: Absolutely, uh, and so uh, the uh, getting back to uh, to Gene to, to rick, rick renee who i assume is not related to ralph renee
3: it's interesting robert because uh th- sorry to cut you off there but like i just wanted to, to make a point that like that little dynamic there between rick and gene is like the exactly the same as like steve uh steve quayle and hawk like it's exactly the same kind of thing
2: <laughs> well the 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 uh uh There's one point, there's uh, one particular interview where Gene says that, uh, uh, here's an exact quote, the new world order is in the final stages. That is, they were until Trump came along, the final stages of their satanic plan to reduce the current world population by 80 to 90%. If it weren't for Trump, most of us would not be listening to anything right now. Instead of the word of Christ, you'd be listening to the angels. So... You, wow. Now you have a, a paradigm in which Trump has literally saved thousands of people from being eaten by demons.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, for people like us who've been you know, into all this stuff for so long and understand the, the, the history of it, I mean it's, it's – we instantly recognize so much of this stuff. But for a lot of these people in these new conspiracies, it's, it's in a vacuum. And I think it's really great that you got the opportunity to write those articles for Salon to really uh, explain it from the perspective of a veteran conspiracy theorist.
2: I also – I think it's the very first time that any article on Salon has ever mentioned William Cooper, Richard Doty, (laughs) Paul Benowitz, and Richard Schafer all in the same article. (laughs) Uh, it was interesting, I, in, in response to, I, I have a friend who was among the first people reacting to Q when Q first posted that first initial post. And so my friend uh, sent me uh, an email, and I, I, I'd like to read this one uh, small part of it. He says, uh, a very high percentage of Q talk, especially early on, was purely tongue-in-cheek. The same people making Pepe memes were the same people posting Q Talk on 4chan. After Trump's unlikely election, there was a giddy sense of hope for, for these particular people. Indeed, many people voted for Trump explicitly to function as a sort of hand grenade to the system that was. We were knowingly playing out a fantasy using the irreverent logic of memes. There were always a couple goofballs who seemed to take it seriously, but they were vastly outnumbered and ridiculed mercilessly. The real silliness of Q took hold when it escaped the confines of the chans and the boomers got a hold of it. Boomers, being pre-internet, are almost universally incapable of understanding internet culture, especially the difference between what is literal and what is figurative. Mm. Your Midwest friend seems to fit in this category, question mark. Memes are mostly confusing to pre-internet people, and Q stuff was wrapped in so many layers of irony and reverse irony. In the early days of Q, we all knew adrenochrome was a meme. It's a funny word, and it's fun to make up lore about nonsense. There was some quote truth in the symbolic figurative sense. The elites do indeed tend to cultivate some odd taste, but we were mostly making uh, can can I curse on a. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, But we were mostly making shit up to ridicule and troll our enemies. So uh, it's interesting that there is someone who who was engaging in the initial uh, post who understood that it was nonsense. Um, but then as you say, all these other people come in, uh, and they're not familiar with this background of all these conspiracies and, and, uh, they take this stuff completely li- literally and they will quote, there's this, I mentioned in the uh, article, there's this one guy who was quoting sections from Fair and Loading in Las Vegas, and it didn't seem as if he was aware that the book is intended to be humorous. Yeah. Uh, like with the, the section where they first introduced the adrenochrome, uh, uh, and and Terry Gilliam has has talked about, uh, if you listen to his director's commentary on the Criterion edition of Fear and Loving in Las Vegas, he talks about how um, after they made the movie, people would come up to him and they would start talking about adrenochrome as if they'd taken it uh and there's one point where he says it always it it fascinates me how the big lie uh it it works for everybody it doesn't just work for for hitler who came up with the term the big lie but it even works for people like us and when he said us he meant like storytellers filmmakers artists you know the the bigger the lie the, the 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 more you're willing to accept it uh and so it's it's absolutely amusing to me that these people will be quoting hunter s thompson And it's as if they're not even aware that it's supposed to be funny. Uh, And I I, I mentioned at one point in the article that, you know, in 2017 I published a book called until the last dog dies, a novel, which is all about a a humor virus. It's, It's not fatal. It just attacks the humor centers of the brain and it becomes a pandemic and goes around the entire world eating away at people's senses of humor. And the main character is a, stand-up comedian in LA and halfway through the book he comes down with the virus and so the humor starts leaking out of the out of the book uh, and looking back on it it's almost like a completely prophetic when I <laughs> when I when I read posts where they're quoting Hunter S. Thompson uh, not understanding that it that is supposed to be funny uh, also, there's
1: another app. adrenochrome thing in particular has like taken on a life of its own outside of the Q stuff even, and I've heard second and third hand accounts of people's parents mentioning it. and No, oh, my mom's an expert on adrenochrome and this and that, and it's just been like, what the hell is going on? <laughs>
3: so, so kind of, so kind of clarify this a little bit. So, like, I'm not. I mean, I've seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but uh, so is adrenochrome a real thing, or did Hunter S. Thompson just make that up?
2: Well, it's, it's Hunter S. Thompson made up the whole idea of adrenochrome. He, the, the, the main character, uh, uh, Raoul Duke, uh, is in the hotel room with his um, Samoan attorney friend, uh, uh, Dr. Gonzo, and Dr. Gonzo tells who's an attorney. Dr. Gonzo tells him that uh, he represented the Satanist freak. Uh, and he didn't have money to pay him, so he gave him this adrenochrome, which he said was this chemical harvested from the pineal gland of a living human being,
4: and yeah, it'll yeah. give
2: you the, the highest high you've ever right. had in your life, and, and then they, they ingest the adrenochrome, and they have all these wild hallucinations, and of course in the film, that gives Terry Gilliam the the leeway to, to do whatever the hell he wants, since it's a fictional drug in the first place. Uh, so... <laughs> As, as Gilliam says on the on the director's commentary, it's entirely a, a fictional drug, uh, and it seems to me from these these kind of cultural references that are peppered throughout the QAnon narrative, I you know I the, the I mentioned in the the part five that QAnon is the ultimate catfish uh, scheme, because I imagine all these people following all this, imagining in their head who they think Q is. Uh, when if they can actually see that it's this ragtag group of uh, like 30 year old hipsters with tattoos and piercings who have been hired by some political think tank to make up all this weird stuff (laughs) and just keep posting it. Uh, It's like, so so group some political think tank has been hired to uh, harvest all these crazy fringe conspiracy theories. It's like a group of, of culture vultures, uh, uh, who figured out all we need to do is hijack all these previous concepts. For example, Robert Anton Wilson's whole idea of the Operation Mindfuck, Mm -hmm. uh, which he first introduced in his novel Illuminatus, which he wrote with Robert Shea, and then later uh, expanded on the idea in his book Cosmic Trigger. But the idea of, of Operation Mindfuck absolutely perfectly parallels the QAnon thing, except it's coming from the, the right instead of the left. Right. Uh, the, l- let me read you a brief section from Cosmic Trigger. Uh, Robert, Ant- Robert Anton Wilson writes, this is in 1977, the underground press was intensely gullible and eager to believe all manner of conspiracy theories. The weirder, the better. Most discordians at this time were contributors to underground newspapers all over the country. We began surfacing the discordian society, issuing position offering nonviolent anarchist techniques to mutate our robot society. Along with this, we planted numerous stories about the Discordian Society's eon old war against the sinister Illuminati. We accused everybody of being in the Illuminati. Nixon, Johnson, <laughs> Wayne Buckley Jr., ourselves, Martian invaders, all the conspiracy buffs, everybody. We did not regard this as a hoax or prank in the ordinary sense. We still considered it guerrilla ontology. My personal attitude was that if the new left wanted to live in the particular tunnel reality of the hardcore paranoid, they had an absolute right to that neurological choice. I saw Discordianism as the cosmic giggle factor, introducing so many alternative paranoias that everybody could pick a favorite if they were inclined that way. I also hope that some less gullible souls, overwhelmed by this embarrassment of riches, might see through the whole paranoia game and decide to mutate to a wider, funnier, or hopeful reality map. Uh, so I think somebody somebody somewhere came up with the idea, hey, we can just hijack that idea and just flip it. So we'll just take all these pre-existing concepts and flip them. So with the, the libertarian militia movement in the 90s being concerned about martial law, we'll flip that. And so they'll be, instead of being scared of martial law, they'll welcome it. Uh, we'll take Operation Mindfuck, and instead of all these left wingers and anarchists accusing William F. Buckley and Nixon being in the Illuminati, we'll, we'll just accuse all of them being in the Illuminati. Um, yep. And and uh, and everything gets uh, it's almost like QAnon is a it's a secular religion uh, because you oh, yeah. there are a lot of evangelical Christians who are deep into it, but you don't necessarily need to be Christian. I mean you could be an atheist and still believe that there are these wacky cultists running around, kidnapping children, dragging them underground, and sacrificing them to non-existent uh, deities. Uh, You could be a fan of the paranormal. You could be into conspiracy theories. Um, You could be – I mean I I know people who are like former Democrats who are like now totally into (laughs) QAnon.
3: Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of like um in in kind of new age circles now too. It's really yes. becoming popular. Not it's not just a, well, like yeah, you said an it, evangelical Christian thing.
1: It has a lot of religious components because you have like almost this secret chief type of relationship going on. To that you know we're getting these messages channeled from somebody we don't know who they are. We're just awaiting this message. You know it's 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 got a lot of. Uh, parallels to, to different religions and new religious movements.
2: Oh, there's uh, there was a great um, article published just recently about um, the Omega Kingdom Ministry. Do you know what that is?
1: No. Uh,
2: there's this um, man named Mark Andre Argentino, and he's doing a PhD thesis on um, extremist religious and political organizations and how they create propaganda and recruit new members. And so he's been monitoring uh, via Zoom the first public services of what is essentially a QAnon church, and it's called the Omega Kingdom Ministry.
4: Oh my Uh, God! And
2: this (laughs) this guy, he spent 12 weeks attending the two-hour Sunday morning services. And so uh, basically the the QAnon conspiracy theories are reinterpreted through the Bible every Sunday. Uh, So they spend the entire time uh, taking the latest posts and then applying them to to the Bible. Uh, and it says here in the article, the Sunday service is led by Russ Wagner, leader of the Indiana-based OKM, and Kevin Bushy, a retired colonel running for an election to the main House of Representatives. The service begins with an opening prayer from Wagner that he says will protect the Zoom room from Satan. This is followed by hour long Bible <laughs> we study. We need that. <laughs> This is followed by an hour-long Bible study where Wagner uh, might explain the fall cabal video that attendees had just watched or offer his observations on socio-political events from the previous week. Everything is explained through the lens of the Bible and QAnon narratives. Bushy then does 45 minutes of decoding items that have appeared recently on the app called QMAP that is used to share conspiracy theories. The last 15 minutes are dedicated to communion and prayer um so so yes, there's definitely a um uh a religious component wow. uh but then it's not exclusively religious so it's yeah. it's almost like some somebody figured out well you know all the hardcore evangelicals that uh george uh bush George w Bush used to get it into office why limit us why limit ourselves to them um we we can we can exploit them, uh, and then we can also exploit all these other people, too, who, are, who aren't necessarily Christian. Right. Um, and, and in fact, uh, there was a great article in Mother Jones just a few days ago. Uh, Ollie Breeland's QAnon is attracting cops, and it's all about all these cops who are into QAnon. Uh, and uh, it says some people in power – have been asked to answer for QAnon supporters in their proximity. Uh, uh, they have acted as if the conspiracy is ultimately harmless, but this is a dangerous misconception, especially when it comes to government agents and power to use force. The logic of the conspiracy theory almost requires its adherence to carry out acts of violence. If you actually believe that elites are harboring scores of children in underground tunnels to rape and steal blood from, taking action to liberate them would be a moral imperative. Yeah. Um, uh, and... And in an odd way, it kind of ties back in um, because someone might argue, well, didn't you write this weird book called Camellio and say a bunch of like weird stuff in there? And uh, uh, isn't that uh, hypocritical in some way? Uh, you, You talk about conspiracies in there. So why are those conspiracies more valid than the conspiracies that QAnon is talking about? But if you recall, uh, in Camellia, which is all about my friend being stalked and harassed and surveilled, uh, what would happen there is, and I've talked to many other people who have been in the same situation, where if you've been chosen as a target, they will make up the strangest things, come to your neighborhood and tell everyone in your neighborhood that you are either a Satanist, a terrorist, uh, a pedophile, a uh, pedophile, Damien, when my friend Damien uh, went to stay with uh, his the mother of his child, she told him how these cops came by and were looking for him, and they said, yeah, we've been told that he's thinking about doing something. So they don't say outright, we think he's a terrorist. They just say very vaguely, we think he's doing something. So now you have all these cops who are into QAnon who think that uh, there are all these uh, Satanist liberal pedophiles out there and basically it's almost as if the scenario I wrote about in *Camelio*, which was directed at one person, my friend Damien, it's that scenario is now being applied to the whole country and indeed globally. Wow. <laughs> Everybody's getting gang stock. I uh, mean I don't, I don't know how it
1: is there in, uh, in Southern California, but I mean out, out here, I guarantee you at least one truck in every Walmart parking lot has a cue sticker on the back
3: yeah I'm seeing it everywhere yeah yeah, we're, we're, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is it is it is literally everywhere I, i've I've seen it too
2: yeah, and then you, they'll make their kids wear uh, tune on t-shirts you know <laughs> uh, uh, there's ironically uh, there was a guy who was so concerned about uh, the elites kidnapping children uh, that he went out and kidnapped his own kids. So he was so concerned about kids being kidnapped that he went out and kidnapped his own kids from his wife from whom he was estranged. And mm-hmm. this was written about in uh, on Daily Beast from Will Summers' article, QAnon promotes pedo-ring conspiracy theories. Now they're stealing kids. Uh, let me read you just a few paragraphs from this. It says... QAnon conspiracy theorist Alpha Sliman pushed his Honda Odyssey past 110 miles per hour while his five children screamed in the back of the minivan and police officers from two states pursu- pursued him down the highway. Donald Trump, I need a miracle or something, Sliman, a 29-year-old Boston man, said during his June 11th chase across Massachusetts and New Hampshire in remarks captured on a live stream. So in oh live stream, he's talking to QAnon <laughs> and Donald Trump and he yells out, QAnon, help me, QAnon, help oh. me. Uh, it's not clear what set off the police chase, but Slyman appears Slyman appears to have been convinced by QAnon theories that the government was out to kidnap his children, inspired by videos he had watched online. Sliman warned his children during the chase that the police were coming to abduct them or maybe just shoot them in a staged killing. In return, Jeez. they begged him to pull over. His daughter, his daughter even tried to grab the wheel of the minivan and drive it off the road after he accused her and his wife, who had dived out of the vehicle at the start. I love that the wife abandoned the vehicle. She was just, she just thought, I'm getting out of <laughs> no. here. Uh, 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 trust me, kids, I'm going for help. Uh, and then she just dived out uh, the back, uh, he, who had dived out of the vehicle at the start of the chase of being agents of the nefarious cabal that QAnon bel- believers say controls the world. They want to make us crazy, Slyman said. But I'm not crazy. My wife and my daughter were a part of it. So then they finally they shot out the the wheels of his car
4: <laughs>
2: and, uh, and and sent him to, uh, to jail. Uh, or maybe they sent him underground and they fed him. To the demons. I guess that's possible They, as
1: well. they might have done that. After, After harvesting the, the adrenochrome. Yes.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's most important to do that when they're still alive.
3: You know, um, there was another woman. There was a woman that actually did something. She was trying to get, like, she went and tried to get her kids out of child protective services or something. Or maybe she was just trying to get, like, other people's kids out of child protective services. <laughs>
2: Oh yes, well and of course there was the guy who uh threatened to blow up the Boulder Dam uh, yeah, unless they yeah. uh, uh released some report that that Q had been posting about at that time. And uh, and then the well obviously then the most infamous one is the guy who went to the uh to the Comic Ping Pong uh pizzeria which is mm-hmm. you know like like Mordor in Lord of the Rings it's <laughs> it's, the, it's Sauron's home base the Comet Ping Pong. Uh, And of course, he went there with a gun to try to save the kids who were trapped in the basement. But then he like shot up the floor trying to shoot into the basement, which supposedly is where the kids were. So I don't know why you'd shoot into the floor, into the basement to save the kids who were trapped in the basement. Um, And then when they arrested him, he had this great quote where he said, "Um, yeah, I don't think my intel was 100% correct. Uh, that, it's like the understatement wow. of the year, you know, and they, they all use like military lingo, you know, they're not, they've never been in the military, but it's like, Oh yeah, my Intel was, wasn't a hundred percent correct. Now I, I had a, a, a friend tell me that one of the theories was that the guy went in and he shot up the computer. He shot up uh, the, the, the dude who owns the pizzeria he shot up his computer, which had all the incriminating information on it. And that was the reason that in other words, he was actually like a dupe puppet of the oh, elite, wow. and, and he oh, got in of to, co- shoot, to destroy the computer that had all the incriminating information on it, which I thought – you know, when Jeffrey Epstein was being surveilled in Florida, somebody in the police department tipped him off, and so he had all these computers filled with incriminating information. So what he did was he got rid of the computers. He, he didn't get – he didn't mind control someone to drive hundreds <laughs> of miles to come to his house, to shoot up his computers. He just got rid of them before the police came. It makes, I, I it
3: would think, it makes perfect sense,
1: Robert. I don't know why you don't believe <laughs> that. Well, and you talk about how, um, Pizzagate is really was that embryonic phase of all this. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, uh, in the uh, Out of Shadows documentary, they, they end on Pizzagate. They spend about 20 minutes on Pizzagate, and they, they interview the, uh, the journalist, Liz Cronkin, uh, who was the, the main writer who was writing about all this. And it, when it starts, the, the, the Out of Shadows is like 120 minutes long, and then about 20 minutes of it is devoted to Pizzagate. So you would think they would start off the Pizzagate segment with their best evidence. Right to really just slam it, slam it home right at the beginning, and it, it starts out by quoting John Podesta in these emails, saying that he had gone with his brother to eat lunch, to eat pizza for an hour, and then the narrator says with like a, a complete straight, straight tone of voice, "Who eats pizza for an hour?" But like, like this was the 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 evidence that they started out with was. It, how on earth could Podesta and his brother be eating pizza for an entire hour, despite the fact that every labor union in America considers an hour to be a legitimate time to eat lunch? <laughs> uh, and that, that's
3: that's striking, Robert. that's striking evidence.
2: It, if they if they weren't eating pizza for an hour, there was only one other alternative. Either a, they were eating pizza, or B, they were having sex with young boys. It, it's It's either a or B. There's no other possible alternative. Uh, and that's the way the entire Pizzagate segment is presented, in out of shadows. Like this is their this is their best evidence. Now, of course, you could, and, and then they and they say, well, you know, Comet Ping Pong, they had a triangular symbol uh, that that these other pedophiles have been known to use. That these the pedophiles have been known to use this kind of triangular symbol uh, to represent uh, their illegal activity. Okay. Uh, let's let's say that that's true. There are in fact a limited number of shapes in the universe and if I were to pick a shape for a pizza joint I, I would think that a triangle would be more appropriate than uh, a, an octagon uh or some other shape that you might think of uh and yet they don't they don't seem to stop and and consider that <laughs> and, and instead they go to this other conclusion um uh, it's, you know, uh, Corey Doctorow wrote an article. Corey Doctorow, who's the science fiction writer, uh, he's, he's best-selling science fiction writer, award-winning science fiction writer. Uh, Corey Doctorow wrote an article about QAnon, and, and he wrote this in, in May of this year. Why is it so easy to find people who want to believe in conspiracies? My answer, because so many of the things that have traumatized so many people are conspiracies. The opioid epidemic was a conspiracy between rich families like the Sacklers and regulators who rotate in and out of industry. The 737 crisis was caused by Boeing's conspiracy to cut corners and aviation regulators' conspiracy to allow aerospace to regulate itself. Senators conspire to liquidate their positions ahead of coronavirus lockdown. Well-heeled multinationals conspire to get 94.5% of the small business. PPP fund, big tech conspires to fix wages with illegal collusion while fast food franchises do the same with non-competes. In a world of constant real conspiracy scandals that destroy lives on the planet, conspiracy theories take on real explanatory power, So, uh, which I would you know, agree with. Uh, and uh, I, I, I want to make it clear that uh, obviously I've written about conspiracies in the past, in my first book, the in Camellio. So I'm not saying that conspiracies don't happen. Of course they happen all the time. People are, are every day being convicted on conspiracy charges somewhere in in the United States. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not saying that these things don't happen. Uh, nor am I saying that obviously child trafficking happens. It's, it's, it's a major problem. Uh, and, and, uh, when there was a reporter recently who asked Joe Biden about QAnon and I thought it was really strange the way he phrased the question he he said uh you know uh, Mr. Vice President what do you think of this QAnon uh whole fad uh, uh, whatever uh, and their their conspiracy theories you know they they're very strange they believe in child trafficking uh and then Biden was like yeah you know they're they're mentally ill uh, and and I thought, was this question phrased? It's almost like what I said earlier about the Facebook, <laughs> about Facebook banning uh, QAnon. It makes you stop and wonder, you know, are they promoting QAnon? The way the reporter asked the question is, as if he was saying there's this weird cult of people who believe that child trafficking is happening, uh, and it, it's not the way I would have phrased that same question. I mean, that right. that's not the ludicrous part of it. <laughs> obviously, child trafficking is happening, you know, but yeah. the way Q uh, posts these things is it draws connections uh, in such a way that the people listening to it think, well, obviously, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, had connections to these people and these people. So then when they come in and they add the extra layer of the Illuminati and the Freemasons, no one stops to think, well... We've heard all of Jeffrey Epstein's victims have come out. Well, many of them have come out. We've heard them interviewed. Right. They've talked about what Jeffrey Epstein would do. Not one of them has ever said, oh, yes, Epstein came out. He was wearing a crimson cowl, and he took me down to the subterranean abattoir where the obsidian statue of Bathsheba was there <laughs> and then sacrificed All these kids. Every one of Epstein's victims tells pretty much the same story, and Epstein's behavior is pretty much casebook narcissistic predatory behavior. (laughs) It doesn't violate anything that we know about social path.
3: That's the thing. Is like it's bad enough. It's bad enough behavior. Like why do we have to put in the the, the weird cult and the and the, the, the demons and you know like it's just it's bad enough as it is.
2: Well, right. That you know and that ties into something. Uh, one of the, the main um, uh, villains in the Q narrative all year has been uh, Black Lives Matter. So I, I you know I've been reading what Q posts about Black Lives Matter. And so yeah. recently he's been posting all this stuff that members of black lives matter, uh, have been causing the fires on the West coast mm-hmm. to get people to hate Trump.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So now why members of black lives matter would want to burn down states like California, Oregon, and Washington to direct hatred toward a Republican politician, these states already voted against back in 2016. I, I don't know. Uh, and It seems likely that the intent of these things is to distract attention from far more important things, like the fact that the past few years, whenever fires have broken out in these same states, Trump – in fact, uh, there was a um, – in the New York Daily News, uh, it says the last two years – Aid to California did eventually materialize, but likely despite, not because of the president, former Department of Homeland Security chief of staff, Miles Taylor disclosed this week as he endorsed Joe Biden, that two years ago, Trump directed FEMA to withhold assistance for purely vindictive personal reasons. Quote, he told us to stop giving money to people whose houses had burned down from a wildfire because he was so rageful that people in the state of California didn't support him and that politically it wasn't a base for him. Unquote. Uh, uh, So they, they will post these things to distract attention away from far more important things. And, and so recently, right, right after the George Floyd uh, protest began, uh, it was only a few days after George Floyd was, was murdered, that the QAnon crowd began sharing a meme that featured this photo uh, that depicted a bronze statue of Baphomet that had been erected by the Satanic Temple in Salem, Massachusetts. And so the meme – the purpose of the meme was to question why Black Lives Matter, uh, why these protesters had not bothered to attack this particular statue of of Baphomet. And the implication, of course, was that Black Lives Matter protesters are secretly Satanists, and that's why they left alone the Baphomet statue in St. Massachusetts.
3: I've seen similar things of saying like a a statue – there's like a statue of linen somewhere and they're like, why don't, why, why did they tear this statue down? You
2: know, like it, 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 for some reason they don't stop and think, well, maybe the black lives matter protesters, they're not particularly afraid of bat winged goat gods erupting from the bowels of the earth to ravage their families. They're, they're concerned about racist white men in uniforms arbitrarily wiping out their lives with no consequences whatsoever. So Unlike the scores of videos we've seen over and over again of black people being harassed or outright killed by police officers throughout the decades, there's not a single shred of evidence that children of any race are being slaughtered by uh, members of the Illuminati. <laughs> you know, instead of being concerned about the problem that's happening like in their streets right at this very moment, they instead prefer to worry about children they've never seen being victimized by perps right. who don't exist.
1: And that, uh, that's okay. what they've really been hooking people with is the child trafficking stuff. I mean, me and Adam have both seen it. People who were not into this kind of conspiracy stuff be like totally triggered by this and go down these rabbit holes. Um, yeah. And of course, we're familiar with all the a lot. The most recent iteration of all the stuff before this was, uh, and before Pizzagate was the Satanic Panic. So it's like it's all mm-hmm. very familiar to us, but. It is just getting a whole new generation and the boomers. They're going crazy on this stuff.
3: see, this this has been brewing for some time, especially with like trying to bring the satanic panic back. And it's interesting that you mentioned that, Robert, about the Black Lives Matter, because now, you know, I don't know if you know who Russ Dizdar is. I actually had him on the show way, way back when. But he is one of these guys that's just like a holdover from the satanic panic era. And he believes that like these um, MK Ultra super soldiers are going to be like infiltrating churches and they're going to – something called the Black Awakening is going to happen and that these people are just going to go crazy and start causing chaos. So now – uh there's certain people i don't know if they're really associated with QAnon. they're starting this whole narrative that that's what's happening now the blm and and the some of the riots that are going on is all due to like these mk ultra super soldiers that are you know multiple personalities and it's just it's it's that's a direct link to something that's like you know satanic panic era stuff and also has got like you know um transformation of america and all this kind of like weird mind control literature that you know that you point out in in the articles too and it's uh it, it's 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 really just you know quite disturbing how people have just like glommed on to all this
2: and and the thing that i notice about that a shadows documentary is that they take those things that are in fact true mk ultra did in fact happen There were horrible mind control experiments on children in the 1950s. There was a whole – the Clinton administration, in fact, did an entire uh, uh, investigation into the radiation experiments that were done on children, which overlapped – the same people who were doing those radiation experiments were often the same people doing the MKUltra mind control experiments. And they experimented on children, on, on uh, prisoners, on people in mental asylums. Like that, that actually happened, you know. And it's, it's almost to me like it's similar to people I knew in high school who were told uh, if you smoke marijuana, you're going to go crazy. <laughs> uh and so they smoked marijuana and they said I didn't go crazy. You know what? They're probably lying about cocaine, crack and LSD as well. And so and then before long they were like injecting crystal meth into their veins. Uh it, it's it's almost like they lied to us about this whether it's MK ultra or whether it's the JFK assassination. Uh so they lied to us about that. So then this other stuff must be true as well. And, and that, that's the logic that's used in the Out of Shadows documentary. They first they establish the MK Ultra stuff, and, and then they they go on from there to try to say, well, that's true. So therefore, obviously, then this other stuff must be true as well. And there's really no connection between them. Um, uh, and then, and by, by the way, that's another example of the uh, the the way that QAnon will take a pre-existing conspiracy theory and flip it. Uh, they use... One of those examples appears in the Out of Shadows documentary. Uh, Mae Brussel talked about what she called Operation Chaos, which she believed that there were certain high-profile rock stars who were being assassinated, uh, Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin. And, and, and so one of the things that they do in Out of Shadows is they take that and they flip it so that now they imply that Jim Morrison, because his father was in the military, somehow involved in the Gulf of Tonkin, and, and that Frank Zappa's Parents were in the military. They imply that Frank Zappa and Jim Morrison were like mind-controlled to uh, create this kind of satanic music to right. uh, pull uh, uh, otherwise rational teenagers into y- taking drugs. You know, and my my own experience with teenagers is that they don't need uh, a vast <laughs> CIA conspiracy to be encouraged to take drugs. Right. Um, <laughs> but th- but th- that's another example of that. And also, in terms of, it's interesting what you say. Like they've taken the Satanic Panic thing from the 80s, and then, and then overlap that with the Black Lives Matter thing, so that um, in in uh, the, the Q's June 1st, 2020 post, this was one week after the murder of George Floyd. Q posted, Black community used as pawns? Question mark. Welcome to the Democratic Party, and then in caps, unity creates peace. Unity is humanity. Uh, it almost looks like it's like it's all in caps, so it's almost like ignorance is strength. You know, like from
1: 19- yeah, before. yeah, I was getting that vibe. Uh,
2: and uh, so, according to, to this scenario, here is that black people aren't smart enough to make their own decisions. The, the puppeteers in charge of the of the Democratic Party, they're making the decisions for them. Uh, And the the definition of unity is sitting at home, not protesting when police officers are killing you and voting for Trump. That's the definition of unity. Uh, And the idea that most of the protesters are just simply pissed off about hundreds of years of injustices (laughs) dealt to them by law enforcement, it doesn't seem to occur to them. Or if it does occur to them, they consciously choose to just believe in a lie instead. Um, uh, So... So all all that is fascinating.
1: Well, I was going to say, like you uh, mentioned, Transformation America and and, uh, some of that satanic panic stuff. What creeps me out is that a lot of these people are getting, it seems like they're getting some kind of weird prurient or voyeuristic, uh, you know, enjoyment out of obsessing over these, you know, fictional details of what's being done to people. (laughs) And it's like, just like with the, you know, those, those, uh, Books that were, you know, pretty much porn for conservative Christian conspiracy theorists. <laughs> um, you know, it's that it's that same kind of thing. And I'm just like thinking, I'm seeing people just obsess over this material, and like, why? Why do you want to just, um, you know, obsess over this stuff so much? There's a weird element to it that that, that really it, bothers
2: me. It definitely becomes evident when you when, uh, in, in post after post after post. Um, And I I mentioned in there about around about 2000 or 1999, I sent a copy of Transformation of America by Kathy O'Brien to my friend Damien. And this was before the whole, before he got wrapped up into his own insane uh, conspiracy uh, in in Camellio, I sent him a copy of Transformation of America and he he read it. And I remember him calling me and saying, this sounds, it feels like it's pornography for Christians. It's like, they can read about all the, the sordid details of what Hillary is doing to this poor young woman in a hotel room somewhere, and they can, like, be disgusted by it, but at the same time kind of be weirdly turned on by it. Uh, and so when you see the QAnon people posting all these kind of uh, vaguely blurred out uh, photos of uh, child pornography <laughs> uh, where uh, you wonder what exactly is going on here? You know, and then when you hear them saying like in the, in the out of shadows documentary, there's the, uh, the, the uh, Hollywood stuntman who says, you know, this is the greatest story ever told, which is the it's, it's direct QAnon like slogan. This is the greatest story ever told you think. So it's like Homer's odyssey, and uh, Don Quixote and Moby Dick are not the greatest stories ever told. The greatest story ever told is about the elites uh, raping young children. I I don't, why is that the greatest story ever told? I mean, the word story implies it's entertaining. So for some reason you're entertained by that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really crazy. And, and, and I mean, like, I think there is a certain amount of like that prurient interest, you know, it's like, I've, I discovered the same with in kind of the, like I think the fringe Christian community is really kind of, um, you know, lends itself to some of this QAnon stuff. But like it's the same way. It's just like they're so fascinated with like what Aleister Crowley did at a certain point, you know, and like the horrible things he did in the Abbey of Thelema, And they're just fascinated by this stuff. You know, it's just you know they talk they talk against it, but then it's just like you know, look at what he did to the woman and the goat. And all, you know, it's just like it's just, <laughs> it's, just it's just weird,
2: man. I the uh when you mentioned the, the satanic panic of the 80s I I flash back to um when I was in high school uh me and my friends found this flyer that was on the wall near the gymnasium and it said uh that there was going to be a PTA meeting that night on occult rock uh and so I said we nice. got to go to this uh, was was, so... was John
3: was John Todd there?
2: <laughs> it was it was um, it was a guy whose name was uh, he, uh, ironically this this person uh, whose name escapes me. Uh, he was he was totally against like violence in media of any form, Saturday morning cartoons, Dungeons and Dragons, um, and he recently, not long ago, uh, was arrested for like sexual, sexually assaulting one of his patients. It was a doctor, uh, Dr. Thomas Redeki. Uh, R A D E C K I. Dr. Thomas Radecki. He was the he was the head of this of this um, organization, this movement to crack down on occult uh, violence in popular media. And he wasn't there physically, but uh, the the phys ed teacher slash the sex education teacher, uh, who was this German man named Mr. Berger who always wore these tight golf pants, uh, he was up there behind the podium playing this VHS lecture by Thomas Rodecki talking about the occult symbolism. And they did the same thing, the same thing where they would take something that was clearly intended to be ironic and then they would uh, interpret it literally. Like they they had this big quote from Frank Zappa uh, and Frank Zappa had said something like, uh, oh yes, uh, our intent is to uh, putrefy the minds of – of young children, you know, and anyone who knows who Frank Zappa is knows what his sense of humor is like and that he clearly was saying that sarcastically, Uh, but they, Mm -hmm. they, they put it without context and they, and they, they put it up on the screen. And so it's like, Oh oh my God, Frank Zappa said that he admitted it. Uh, And I remember at this meeting, I went there with, uh, in fact, Damien was there with me uh, and uh, two other friends of mine and and we they did not like us being there cuz every everyone there they were adults uh except for two other guys who were in the front who were kind of like a students who came dressed very nicely and they came to like um rationalize with them to like have a rational argument um which you know it, it, that never works out anyway uh so we 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 sat there and listened to this whole thing and at one point this this woman stands up uh and she starts telling the story about this game that was like Dungeons and Dragons What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. She said it was called The Seven Gateways, uh, and it was a game that her children were playing. uh, And they would go in the basement, and they would pretend to be uh, living in some fantasy world. And she said after they got done playing the game, her, her daughter had scratches on her back uh, and she implied that it was demons had come through the gateway that they had like unconsciously or purposely summoned some sort of demon while playing this role playing game uh, and and the demons had, had scratched her daughter's back and everyone in the auditorium just kind of like nodded their head and, I, and I'm sitting there just <laughs> completely going out of my mind uh, and but uh, oh, and here's the Here's the punchline to that. Earlier that day, her son, whose name was Kevin, came up to me and Damien and handed us two KKK flyers and said, I just thought you'd like to be interested in this." And it wasn't wow. handing it to me as a, wow. as a joke. He was totally into it. It was, a, it was an actual yeah. it was an actual like application form, and you could send in money uh, and, and they'd give you I, you know, I don't know, the starter kit. I don't know what exactly they send you, <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and and so ironically, one of my friends turns to me and she says, "Hey, you know who that is?" Uh, and the woman talking, I go, "No." She goes, "That's Kevin's mom." <laughs> and so that kid's mom, who that who gave us the KKK flyer earlier that day, was the one who was so concerned about the the satanic panic, and perhaps in that anecdote that one anecdote really kind of exemplifies the dichotomy <laughs> and yeah. the cognitive dissonance of what's actually going on here.
3: Well, you know, um, we, we talked about a pizza gate and the whole thing about the basement, right? Um, like the guy was thinking that the kids were stored in the basement and all like the underground stuff, you know, all that just reminded me of the McMartin preschool case.
2: Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's, That's interesting. Uh, uh, I I know that um, Alex Constantine published a book called Psychic Dictatorship in the USA. uh, And there's a chapter on McMartin there where he claimed that uh, uh, FBI agent Ted Gunderson, uh, who is not the most reliable source, Gunderson claimed that he went to McMartin because the kids were saying that there were these underground tunnels in which they were being ritually abused under the McMartin preschool. Um, uh, and Gunderson, everyone, all, everyone said we couldn't find it. And Gunderson said he went there, pulled up some a few planks, and found the entrance and went in and took photos of it. And supposedly there are photos of those tunnels in Constantine's book. Now, Gunderson has said a lot of wild things, and, and including Gunderson was the guy who started the rumor that Art Bell was a pedophile uh, back in really? the 90s. Uh, Art Bell was getting all these phone calls. Uh, I remember at a certain point, People would be calling in, and Art Bell would hang up on him. And, and I was wondering, what's going on? And it wasn't until later that he, he talked about how uh, Gunderson had a short wit- rave radio show and had started the rumor that Art Bell was a pedophile, and he encouraged people to call in to Coast to Coast and ask Art Bell, are you a pedophile? Wow. And, and so Art Bell would just hang up on him. Uh, uh, and so so I don't know if we can trust Gunderson or if, in fact, those photographs actually came from the Martin preschool, but Constantine claimed that they did. There's an interesting um, – all, all roads lead back to Damien. Uh, back uh, when Damien was in high school, his father was a narcotics cop, wanted him to go into this encounter group to prevent him from taking more drugs or or saying curse words or listening to Jalebi Opera albums, you know. Uh, And so it was this, like, encounter group with other troubled teenagers. Now, McMartin Preschool was in Manhattan Beach, which is not far from – I grew up in Torrance. It's not that far away. And and that time period, the kids who were at McMartin would have been roughly, like, my age uh, or maybe just a little bit younger. Uh, And so Damien ends up at this encounter group and – Every week you'd have to go there, and they'd go around the circle and you have to tell what your problems were. One of the girls in the group claimed that she had been at the McMartin preschool, and uh Damien would actually uh look forward to hearing r- r- what she had to say <laughs> every week because she 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 contended that all that stuff actually happened, and her her memories were very vivid uh and and at that time. She said that that stuff had actually happened. Now, that's – who knows? I mean she was in a encounter group for troubled teens. I, I don't know. It's just an interesting footnote uh, mm-hmm. to, to all of that, that uh, Damien actually met someone who actually went to the McMartin preschool. Um,
3: well, I, I have to wonder about that. Um, I have to wonder if at McMartin there might have been some real sexual abuse that really did happen but it just got so muddled with all the satanic panic shit that there was no way to prove it.
2: Yes. I mean, you know, my, my friend and colleague, the late Walter Boart, who wrote operation mind control, which was one of the first, really, really the first major book about MKUltra. Uh, he, he communicated with Kathy O'Brien. He knew her, uh, and he believed that, um, he he believed that there was a core of truth to what she was saying but that her mind and memories were so scrambled that you just could not know for sure what was fantasy and what had actually happened yeah
3: so we 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 kind of think the same thing about like james shelby downer too that's kind of what we're
2: and and isn't that a fascinating case and 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 really um probably a a figure I should have included in the Salon articles as one of those primary sources (laughs) that has has been distorted uh, over the years. Um, James Shelby Downer, Jordan Maxwell uh, being another one among the first to sort of um, uh, try to um, analyze occult esoteric symbolism in, in popular media.
3: So I want to talk about uh, Paul Vallely and Michael Aquino and this oh, yes. group, this shadowy group called the Army of Northern Virginia, not <laughs> to be right. confused with the Civil War Army of Northern Virginia.
2: Yes, exactly. Uh, well, isn't that a fascinating um, uh, aspect to all this? Uh, I – that's kind of like the punchline in the, in the five-part uh, series that I wrote for uh, Salon because in Out of Shadows, they, they dedicate about 10 minutes to Michael Aquino, who is now the late Michael Aquino. Uh, Michael Aquino died last fall, which I think is interesting because um, social media, which overlooks nothing, Apparently, he's not aware (laughs) that Michael Aquino died in, I think, November of last year. And then Out of Shadows comes out uh, just a few months later. And Aquino is like a major part in the documentary. They dedicate about 8, 10 minutes to Aquino, which is strange because uh, you could include Aquino in the Satanic Panic of the 80s uh, because he was accused of of running a similar McMartin style, you know, uh, molestation. operation out of the uh, Presidio in San Francisco. Uh, and He was found to be um, innocent of those charges. Um, And uh, ostensibly the purpose of Out of Shadows is to talk about the connections between Hollywood and the intelligence agency. I mean, that's how the documentary begins. And in fact, it does say some very worthwhile things about that. That's a worthwhile subject to look into. There's always been an overlap between the intelligence agencies and Hollywood. Um, using Hollywood as a a propaganda machine Um, that goes at least as far back as World War II. Aquino has no real known, uh, he was an intelligence officer, a military intelligence officer, whose specialty was propaganda, psychological warfare. Um, He has no known connections to Hollywood, though, so I don't know why exactly they include him in the documentary, I mean, he appeared on one episode of Oprah Winfrey um, <laughs> back in the 80s with his wife, Lilith, and uh, Aquino always, to me, looked like a, like an overfed Eddie Munster, like if Eddie Munster had grown up and eaten a lot of Twinkies, he would look like Michael Aquino. And uh, by the way, Aquino, I, I wrote about Aquino in an article in Paranoia Magazine that was later reprinted in my first book, Cryptoscatology, but Aquino wrote a letter to Paranoia Magazine um and said that he would either sue or they could print the letter. So the editor was just, Well we'll just print the letter. Uh and uh I, I not exactly he was uh not happy with um some things that I said in the article but I think that what he was unhappiest with was, was me criticizing his, his crystalline prose. He, he published star Wars fan fiction in Forrest J Ackerman's uh, <laughs> famous monsters of Filmland magazine. And I was going uh, to,
3: I was going to make a clip about that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and, and Darth Vader is kind of like the hero. Uh, and he wants to create a psycho civilized society with his positronic computer. Um, it's really weird. And apparently Aquino would stand out at the front gates of, of Lucas's ranch trying to get him to read his Star Wars screenplays for the sequels. Um, oh, I, I, I suspect God. Lucas never read them. Uh, it, I, I always wondered if um, – you know Richard Doty. I, 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 there's too many. There's too many tangents going on. I realize that, but let's just go with it. Uh, <laughs> Richard Doty, uh, who was the, the military uh, disinformation guy who was feeding all the information to Paul Benowitz. Richard Doty later went on to work on the X Files. Uh, you know, as he actually wrote some of the episodes under another name. At least this is according to to, to Greg Bishop's book uh, Project Beta, which is an excellent book. Um, uh, and I always wondered if there's an episode of the X-Files called Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man, and it's all about how the cigarette smoking man, who's this powerful shadowy figure, uh, really in his spare time, writes all this really bad amateur, like science fiction, uh, and he can't, he can't get it published. He's like this frustrated writer. And eventually he manages to sell a story to some pornographic magazine uh, which is kind of like the high point of his existence, <laughs> even though he's this like powerful guy pulling the strings from behind the curtains. Right. Uh, I always wondered that that was vaguely based on Aquino uh, publishing this star Wars fan fiction and famous monsters of Filmland magazine.
3: I always thought anyway, it, been, it might've been based on E. Howard hunt.
2: That's true as well. Uh, the, Cause E. Howard hunt wrote a lot of um, uh, spy fiction uh, under another name. Um, uh, So Aquino, uh, in the documentary, they try to connect Aquino to um, uh, – they talk about his paper Mind War, which was basically his study or manifesto that he wrote commissioned by his superior officer, Paul Vallely. Uh, Valerie asked Aquino, you know, we, we really need some kind of new uh, insights in how to operate psychological warfare, post-Vietnam era. So this is like the early 80s. And so Aquino writes this paper called Mind War, and it's all about, well, how do we uh, morph the techniques that we used to use in this new uh, electronic environment? How do we uh, uh, take uh, access the the media? And he goes into this whole thing about, well, you have to create a rapport. Uh, you can't force anyone to do anything. You have to create a rapport with the target. And then the target has to do what you want the target to do, but the target has to think it's their own idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and in the Out of Shadows documentary, they showed the title page, Mind War, by Paul Vallely and Mike Aquino. And they go on for eight or ten minutes about how Michael Aquino is a Satanist, and there's this, quote, former, unquote, CIA agent named Kevin Shipp who says uh, Aquino was was basically uh, laying out in this mind war paper how to use satanic principles to mind control the population. Okay. At no point, just like they never mention that Trump's on page 85 of Epstein's little black book, uh, at, at no point do they mention that Paul Vallely, the man who commissioned Aquino to write this paper, is the only professional military officer who has come out in support of QAnon. Uh, last year, it was around this time, I think it was in November of last year, uh, Valily went on this Canadian radio show and said that Q is a real person and that he gets his information from this uh, organization, this, this organization of, of various intelligence agents, because he said Trump is not, uh, does not trust uh, the CIA or the DIA, and so Trump is relying on this loose-knit group of about 800 intelligence agents, and Q is either has contact with them or is one of them, and that all the information that Q is posting is 100% accurate. So oh, the, everyone in the Q community was like, oh, wow, finally, this is confirmation that this isn't all just a hoax or a fantasy. Uh, this guy, a real Uh, highly respected military official is going on the radio and publicly saying that Q is a real person. Is it not a strange coincidence that the only professional military officer who has come out in support of Q is the the co-author of the paper that the QAnon documentary, Out of Shadows, says is a Satanist trying to control your mind? (laughs) And then when you look at Mind War, and you see what Aquino and Valerie write in it, and then you apply those principles to Out of Shadows, you think, okay, here's Out of Shadows, here's this documentary. It creates a rapport with its audience. It, it then um, basically pushes you towards a conclusion, but it never comes out and says, vote for Trump in November. But it gives you all this information where you can, you can come to no other conclusion. So by the end of the documentary, you will assume that you've come to this conclusion yourself. So you could easily take Valilee and Aquino's paper and apply it to the techniques that are used in the QAnon posts and the various QAnon videos that have been made.
3: So you would posit that this is not like a foreign intelligence agency that's doing this thing. that This is probably something that's more homegrown and that they're what they're trying to do. Like there's a real disturbing aspect to this because it's not just like vote for Trump. I mean, they're also trying to get people to accept like martial law or people being put in camps. And and you know like the the same group that used to really worry that they were going to be put into the FEMA camps are now like you know basically calling for them.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. That's that's the most disturbing thing about it. Uh, how do you get? you know, this rabid part of the population who would never accept these things under normal circumstances to accept them. And the idea that you could get them to, to change their mind based on an anonymous source <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on 4chan is actually it's it's really it's really unbelievable. I mean I, I wouldn't doubt if the if the people who are behind all this, because it's not one person, Q is not one individual. It's clearly, right. if you that that you can just tell that a number of different people are contributing to this. Uh, Team QAnon uh, might be uh, astonished at the success of it. Um,
3: There's been a couple of guys that I think have been outed that 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 they think may be part of this.
2: Right. Well, there was right. The there was the one guy who, who they found was hosting one of the sites that was posting. Uh, the Q post, and they they always assume, well, because he was hosting it, he was probably posting the the messages as well. It's not necessarily the case. I mean, other people could have been writing them, you know. Uh, um, and uh, it's it's interesting that there's this kind of uh, um, ever morphing ability to to yeah. accept whatever new plot twist comes in and to twist it around. Uh, so that Trump is never at fault. Uh, so even as Trump expands the swamp, you can say to yourself, well, no, he's actually he's draining the swamp. Um, and as early as uh, November 9, 2016, there was an article in Bloomberg called U.S. Stocks Rise, Treasuries Fall as Trump Wins, Spurs Growth Bets. So the, the, the authors identify a list of winners, economically speaking, in the wake of Trump's elections. They, they, they mention banks, drug makers, defense and infrastructure, and prisoner op- operators. Um, it's a correction core sword on speculation the new administration will rescind a government contract phase-out. So it's, it, it's interesting to me that they can sit there and assume that Trump is somehow anti-government, when as recently as December of 2018, Trump, uh, he came out, and he made the statement that the Pentagon's budget needed to be limited. He was going to cut the Pentagon's budget. That was in December of 2018. Then when it came to announce the budget, he ended up giving the Pentagon 5% more money than they had requested in the first place. Uh, so that's, that's not anti-government. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, uh, and, um, There was another article that was published just after he won called Private Prison Stocks Are Surging After Trump's Win. This was also in Bloomberg. Quote, private prisons would likely be a clear winner under Trump as his administration will likely rescind the DOJ's contract phase-out and ICE capacity to house detainees will come under further stress, analysts at Height Securities LLC wrote in a note published this morning referring to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Uh, body by its acronym, mass deportation of illegal immigrants would be likely to run into legal obstacles, quote, further necessitating a sizable contract detention population, unquote, the analyst said. I think it's fascinating that part of one of the main elements that, that pulls people in, particularly the evangelicals, is this idea of children being kidnapped, taken underground, put into cages, and then tortured. When meanwhile, the only person who is on record as doing that is the Trump administration, Taking uh, immigrants, Mexican children, putting them in cages, <laughs> uh, and and so it's it's a, it's a thousands it's a standard, going missing, of course. <laughs> it's a standard operating procedure to accuse the enemy of what you yourself are yep. doing.
1: One last aspect of this that I really want to touch on real quick is just this idea of participatory fiction and these role playing games. Of course, like oh yeah. You remember Ong's hat and things like that that were more good natured, but right you know these these people are participating in this kind of th- this role playing game, and they aren't really aware of it
2: right, because they it's all confirmation bias. they you know key uh, will post something, and it'll be extremely enigmatic. you There're gonna be a thousand interpretations of what it means. So then there's a thousand uh, responses to that. Some of those ideas then float to the surface. Then uh, Team QAnon comes along, takes those most popular ideas, weaves it back in. <laughs> so there's yeah, It's loop. like a
1: cybernetic system, like a feedback loop.
2: Yeah, it's a constant feedback loop. And again, that's part of that creating a rapport. It's, it's right out of Mind War. <laughs> it's right out of Al-A paper. They're so creating a rapport by taking – they're mirroring and matching. It's almost like a neuro-linguistic programming kind of thing. They're, they're mirroring and matching what the thoughts are of the people who are following them. And then they feed their own ideas back to them, and they think, wow, I've never heard that idea before. Uh, and when in fact they're just, it's the same idea, just slightly altered or with, with some extension added on to it. Um, I, what, one aspect of this about how they, they can see – uh, the sort of thumbprint of satan uh in in almost anything one of those conversations between Rick and, and his buddy gene uh they were the mysterious gene the, the mysterious gene yes he has to be he has to be mysterious because otherwise he'd be wiped out like that um, <laughs> uh, Gene flashes a photo of epstein's uh mosque temple you know on on Epstein Island. And the temple has these, like, horizontal lines on it, and it's surrounded by by palm trees. So then Jean shows a photo of uh, Ellen DeGeneres' set for her talk show. And on the wall behind Ellen is – you can see these horizontal lines. And then to the left um, are these palm trees. Now, now how many talk shows have you seen where there are palm trees in the – I mean – it's a pretty consistent icon if you're doing a talk show or set. In, in, in California, California or Florida, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: You have palm trees in the background, right? So so Rick, he sees this, and he, and he goes, can you believe that? Her son is Epstein Island. That is just sick. And you can see his face contorts into this kind of gargoyle-like uh, feature as his face turns red. Uh Because of horizontal lines and palm trees. So So, those are now symbols of Satanism and pedophilia. Uh, No triangles,
1: no lines, no palm
2: trees. (laughs) Uh, And so I thought, you know, what, what would they do if they saw an actual Satanic symbol? Like would their brain just implode? Um, just the other day, I heard one of these QAnon guys was taking photos of some kind of like cheese festival in Wisconsin, and he was saying cheese festival. We know what that's a code for, and so uh, he thought (laughs) he thought that the cheese festival was some sort of uh, cover, I guess, uh, for the. You would think that by now the pedophiles would have changed their symbolism.
3: You know that that's the (laughs) thing too. Like all this, like when Pizzagate first started, they were talking about like these FBI symbols, right? These are the symbols the FBI knows about. Yeah. And like, I have no, I had never any way of knowing if any of that was actually true or not.
2: Right. I, I, that, that's why I said earlier, let's assume that that's true. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> yeah. Either.
3: Well, this is the thing, um, Robert. It's like, where do we go from here? Because literally like where I'm sitting right now, Right across the state line in Georgia, there is – in that district, there is a shoe in to Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's going to be elected because, like, basically the Democrat candidate has already dropped out. So she's running unopposed. So she is going to be going to Congress, and she is a QAnon person. So, I mean, these people are, like, coming into government
2: now. Well, I can say – so where do we go from here? I, I can say one thing that we should not be doing, which is what happened today, which is uh, banning <laughs> QAnon from the Facebook platform. That's the last thing you should be doing. It's absolutely. It's just going to confirm everything that's already been said by Q. It's really it's, – it's pure nonsense. I, I, I can't imagine that uh, rational people could not come to that conclusion by themselves. And so that's why I stopped for a moment, and I have to kind of half – jokingly wonder <laughs> if if facebook wants you to believe in uh in q you know it's like those old uh anti-drug posters where uh um you know they would show uh a a a guy with a gun up his nose and it would say you know drugs blow out your brains, or the you know this whole uh fry your the, the fried egg commercial and this is and, your brain all on that drugs. Mm-hmm. this is your brain on drugs uh and and all that I remember at the time even thinking this, uh when I was a teenager, thinking it's almost like the drug commercials are specifically designed to to make you take drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when when I see moves like this of of, of de platforming, that's the term they use for it. Which just means censoring someone. Uh, when I hear about them deplatforming QAnon, I, I can't imagine that any rational person could not immediately predict what's going to happen as a result of yeah. that. Um, of course, the only thing you can do is to—I—that's I, the reason I wrote these these articles was because I would hope that. Now, obviously, Salon, you know. I mean, I, you should see the the fan mail I've got. Uh, here, here's here. I'll I'll read you one. This was sent to me on September 8th, and the subject yeah, be headline careful. is. It, <laughs> the subject headline is Kami Pinko. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and and it, it says it says, "Sudie, you disturb you while enjoying Adrenochrome. You are all sick mother duckers." You're lower than CNN. Go fuck yourselves. Maga, <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. And it is fucking Wiggers, W-H-I-G-G-E-R-S, sent from my iPhone X. Uh, okay. Uh, now, I don't know. It's funny that he, he went out of his way to say Mother Duckers instead of motherfuckers, but then he said, go fuck yourselves. Uh-huh, I right, thought that was right. contradictory. And right. then, so so Salon, you know, I published it on Salon, which obviously is a, a pit of commie pinkos. So I don't know. But then again, a lot of QAnon people—they hate read things. So I would—I would. My hope would be that someone would read it see that I actually know what I'm talking about, I'm not just absolutely dismissing everything 100%. I'm laying down like this is where it comes from. Uh, Whereas a lot of these people, they don't know what to make of it. So like you'll see articles in The Atlantic Monthly, and they're trying to wrap their head around it, and they can't. (laughs) They've never seen anything like it before. So they're just like – it's just like a panic essay uh, about QAnon. And so the QAnon people read it and see that the person writing it doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, and they just dismiss it. I would hope that someone – you know at least one person would be able to read it and go, "Oh, you know what uh huh yeah i didn't notice that before, Yeah, it really is just a patchwork quilt of all these other pre existing conspiracy theories yeah. um and particularly you know another example of the way they that they take a pre existing conspiracy theory and flip it is. You know, the whole core of the thing is this—you know, child—you um, uh, know, endangering children. Chil- children are being tortured. Um, uh, the 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 Franklin cover-up by by John W. DeCamp—it's all about a pedophile ring. You know, it's a true crime book about a pedophile ring operated by prominent Republicans. Right. <laughs> like, right. It was the, ba- the Nebraska businessman, uh, Lawrence E. King Jr., uh, mm-hmm. and it was reportedly a crime ring that overlapped with Iran-Contra money laundering schemes, operating out of the Reagan-Bush White House. So, so they've taken this Republican scandal and flipped it so that it involves nothing but l- liberal Democrats. Uh, but, but that's an example of, um, you know, uh, when, I, 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 and, and I wonder if that's where the Hunter S. Thompson aspect came from. Because John, De, John DeCamp mentions at one point that he had gotten a story from someone that a guy calling himself Hunter Thompson had met with these people in Las Vegas to buy these snuff films of of children being like tortured and killed on film. And when I when I read that, and I read the book when it came out, so it was at some point in the mid to late 90s, I remember thinking. Well, obviously, whoever met with these guys had a sense of humor, like a really sick sense of humor, and decided to call himself Hunter S. Thompson because he's in Las Vegas buying the um, buying these snuff films. But there have been other people who interpreted that. No, that was actually Hunter S. Thompson, though I, I don't know why you'd give your real name if you're meeting with someone covertly in Las Vegas to buy snuff films. Um, but, yes. you know, that's – that. That's actually wrapped up in, in the uh, – there are rumors as to why Hunter S. Thompson's third book of letters have not been published, even though the third book of letters was supposed to come out originally back in, like, 2005. And then they keep putting up ISBN numbers for it on Amazon, and then it'll be pulled. So they keep announcing it and then pulling it. And one of the rumors was that, at the time, Hunter S. Thompson was supposedly actually looking into this story about Lawrence A. King and the Franklin cover-up and how it overlapped with the with the Reagan uh, and he would actually been looking into this at the time, and there are some letters in there that deal with that. And uh, one of the rumors was that that's the reason that the book keeps getting pulled. But that again, this is all—it could be fake news. There um, was
3: there was rumors about you know why he killed himself too and all that you know. Th-
2: yes, yes, absolutely. And of course, there's the infamous—you uh, uh, know—I you know, mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Hunter S. Thompson actually went on uh, a radio show. Not long before he died and said, hey, if something happens to me, just know, you know, it was I I wouldn't do that to myself. It was an assassination. Meanwhile, everyone around him says, oh, he talked about suicide all the time. So, you know, Hunter S. Thompson had a trickster kind of quality to him. So I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that he actually went on the air and said, yeah, hey, if I end up dead, (laughs) it, it wasn't at my hand, you know, just to just to confuse things.
3: Just um, to cause, just to cause some shit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The um. Uh. But also, uh. Here, I'll 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 read you one more. This is another fan letter. This is from Twitter, September fourteenth. Um, uh, Says biggest load of biased cack I've read since the last CNN article. I wasted my life reading both both of these. The last two I read both reference CNN. So these these guys like monitor CNN more than I do. Uh. I I don't know why they both mentioned CNN. Uh, And then it says, who the fuck gives a poop about your opinion apart from the – and then there's an icon of a sheep – that can't think for themselves. You don't know everything there is to know. Let people think for themselves and come to a design. Now, (laughs) leaving aside the fact that I never once claimed to know everything there is to know in the five parts of the article, but how does writing a series of informational articles about QAnon prevent people from thinking for themselves – it it it's implied in the statement is the idea that the only way people can be allowed to think for themselves is if they're never exposed to points of view different from their own. Uh, in other words, like how does this how does me publishing this article prevent this guy or anyone else from coming to their own conclusions? Um, it, that's something that's a trend I see on both the right and the left, and that is if you disagree with something, I don't want I don't want to read it, and I don't want anyone else to read it either. Uh, which is uh that I see as also a, a paradigm shift, you know I mean if you can get a bunch of libertarian militia people to decide to, to flip their minds and decide that they 'll accept martial law, you could also do a similar experiment to get a bunch of ex hippie boomers who have always been anti censorship uh, and who you know, circled the wagons around people like Salman Rushdie in the late 80s to to flip their opinions and decide that censorship is the solution to any and all problems. And if there's one guy offended by something, even just one person is offended by it, we need to either unpublish it, remove it, prevent everyone else from seeing it. So that too is, when I say that there's a sociological experiment going on, I don't mean it's just directed at the right. (laughs) i see similar experiments being directed directed at the left as well
3: oh yeah yeah there's definitely stuff like that going on i mean that's you know there's um there's all kinds of like weird disinformation that is that has been put into the to the left too
1: operation mindfuck 2.0 yeah
3: (laughs) yeah uh this has been excellent robert i mean this wow i mean we really covered some ground tonight and i, and I still don't think there's like a lot that there's a lot we we still could have covered yeah and all I would, this i would really
1: just just uh, suggest everyone go check out those uh five articles uh on salon for a, a great uh you know primer on it and um it's uh i'm really glad you're able to do that it's something that i've been using to um kind of a, a direct people who are less familiar with it you know who just hear about it and stuff and it's it's a right. it's a really good really good explanation from a veteran conspiracy theorist I think only people like you can really give people a good explanation to give that context
2: yeah you know th- that was that was one of the uh, reasons I wrote it because I wrote in in Cryptoschatology, uh my first book there's a chapter in there called uh, um, Jesus is a robot from outer space, and it was all about this uh, – I, 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 I happened to say that phrase uh, in a com- – the context is hard to describe, but uh, if you read the chapter, it'll, it's all explained. But I happened to say that uh, in front of a class, and uh, I got into trouble uh, for saying that Jesus is a robot from outer space, which was not meant to be a literal comment. Um, uh, and so that in the article it ties into uh, um, George W. Bush, and so there's another chapter in the book called George W. Bush is not a Christian. And so the article is all about how you know if you look at the the policies of the of the George W. Bush administration, you know these are not uh, Christian tendencies or actions, you know even though he professes to be a Christian. And so I, I quoted, there's a there's a Christian. Uh there was a christian writer who who wrote a whole book about george w bush um criticizing him from that perspective and in the article, I said something like well, you know the the only people who would uh listen uh to this the only people who have the authority to say to make a statement like that are, are other christians so it's it's really beholden to Christians to go out and 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 say this. You know, because uh, you're the people who other people would listen to. And so when I saw the QAnon stuff, I thought, you know, there's kind of a similar principle here. The only people that have the authority to talk about this are people who actually know about the conspiracies (laughs) that have been pilfered to create this patchwork. So it's really beholden on the people who do know about these things to go out and say, Hey, this is actually where it's all coming from.
1: Absolutely. And we really, really appreciate that. I I hope, uh, you know, I think it, it's really going to do some some good um, and uh, put some pieces together for people.
2: I, I, I hope so.
1: Well, Robert, uh, tell everybody where they
3: can find your books and what books that you have out. And uh, you you actually have a book coming out here pretty soon, I believe.
2: Uh, if, if all goes well, I will have multiple books coming out next year in 2021. Uh, Hollywood Haunts the World will, will be one of them, which will cover cinema from... 1921 to 2021, so it will cover 100 years of uh, hermetic, occult, Masonic, Gnostic symbolism in, uh, in cinema. Uh, and then um, these, it, it, it appears that these QAnon articles will evolve into a full-length book as well, uh, and I have a collection of four novellas coming out from Eraserhead Press. Uh, the, that book is called Widow of the Amputation and, and Other Weird Crimes, uh, which is four novellas that all take place in different areas of Southern California. And the title story, Widow of the Amputation, is all about a road trip between uh, Charles Manson and the severed head of uh, Mary Magdalene. So uh, I, think, <laughs> I, I think Adam Gowrightly will like that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, and others as well. Uh, it's, it's, uh, some, of these, some of these things are uh, – there are various projects going on at once, but I, I think those three will definitely come out uh, next year. And uh, Camellio, Cryptoschatology, Spies and Saucers, uh, Until the Last Dog Dies, and my latest book, which I wrote with my friend Gary Rhodes, which is a cinema book called Bell Lugosi and the Monogram 9. All five of those books are available on Amazon.
3: Excellent, excellent, we'll have to get you back on when the Hollywood book comes out We should get you back on for the Bela Lugosi one too, I'd have to sit down and read it But that's uh, excellent Robert, thank you so much for doing this
2: Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, thank you for inviting me on
3: Stay on the live for us. we're gonna close this section out And we will be right back on Conspiracy Normal Okay guys Welcome to little uh, special segment of the show. And we wanted to bring on Jason von Stein, who you guys have heard many times on this show if you're a longtime listener. Jason is actually my cousin. and um, if you were a part of both strange realities, both last year's and this year's, you uh, saw some dude, some strange guy dressed up as the as randomly as the Macho Man, and uh, Ooh, yeah. just distributing uh distributing uh, Slim Jims to the masses.
5: Um, what uh, does it take to get a Slim Jim sponsorship?
3: Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit more we're gonna be a little more serious about what we're gonna talk about tonight. But uh, Jason, welcome back to Normal.
5: Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you very much for letting me be a part of the fun.
3: Yeah, man. Um, I think last year, uh, well, actually, I think it was back in February, we talked about a uh, Kickstarter that you were doing. And I think that uh, some things probably got thrown off track because of uh, COVID hitting not too long after that and all that. So uh, you've kind of retooled this, but uh, go ahead and like, you know, tell everybody what it is that you're doing and uh, why. And we'll just kind of go from there.
5: Okay, uh, so uh, to start off, my father, his name's Jim Vonstein, and he's a songwriter. And he's been writing songs all of his life. Uh, he's written thousands of songs. He still writes songs. Uh, unfortunately, he has emphysema and COPD, so he can't play music anymore, like strumming or guitar. The exertion is too much. Uh, when you have emphysema and COPD, you have like fluid in your lungs. He's on oxygen and he has to walk around. Uh, it's hard to walk around. It's hard to get around. Like, changes in atmosphere, changes in... Even like open a fridge like makes it difficult. So playing a guitar is not really possible anymore. Uh, so I started playing his music out because I, I've grown up listening to... My dad's been writing music all of my... I'm 38 now. My dad's mm-hmm. been writing music all of my life. My dad started writing poetry uh, when he was a child. He was really influenced by uh, a song called Old Shep, about uh, a, a dog that passes away. My dad heard this when he was a child, and it really it like made him cry, and it really made him appreciate music. And then, of course, you know, the Beatles were a big influence. So he's been writing music all his life, and now now I share it out. And uh, this one particular song, Far Away Angel, is one of my favorite songs my dad's written. That's the Kickstarter that we're trying to do. My dad wrote this in 1989. And I've heard this song, you know, since I was a little kid. I thought it was a jamming song. Uh, so, yeah, on February, my dad's birthday is February 13th. Uh, so I decided on kick, I was going to do a Kickstarter forum on February 13th because uh, what I did is I did a comic book. Uh, I have a website, jackassofalltrades.net. Uh, and on that website, I drew a comic book. I, anytime you make a music video or, you know, when you direct a movie, you know, you, you have storyboards. So you can show people a storyboards kind of like a comic book version of what you're trying to tell. It kind of like gets everybody on the same page with what your idea is. So uh, I came up with an idea for this uh, song, "Faraway Angel, that involves, a, it's like a Frankenstein lab. And the doctor, the crazy mad doctor, he's trying to bring this beautiful woman to life. But as he's trying to bring the, the beautiful woman to life, uh, a bunch of mishaps keep happening. And it starts, he starts bringing corpses to life, which are the musicians. And it's all like a big joke. Uh, and what I did is I, I wanted to make it a big joke, and it ends up that the doctor, he actually, he kisses the woman after he brings her to life, and it kills him because he gets electrocuted, uh, because the, the the conducting element is lightning from the sky, and they're manipulating it like a, you know, 1900s kind of film, something really early, black and white. Uh, and he ends up, uh, he walks off with the help kind of deal.
3: So there's uh, so a it, kind of a paranormal theme here a little bit.
5: Right, Horror yeah, movie exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going for. I was really remember like Tales from the Crypt that used to scare me a lot as a kid, you know. And then Lo- Looney Tunes were always a big influence, and you know, black and white films, and you know. So I wanted to make. I thought that would be kind of a cool concept for the song Faraway Angel. Even though when my dad wrote the song, it's more about a like a guy that's probably broken up with a girl and he's like missing her and longing for her love. You know, if you read the lyrics of the song, it's not necessarily that. But it could sure. be different takes. Like my mother actually came up with an idea where it could be about a woman who's an astronaut, and she's the faraway angel. She's like going up to space, and you can make it to where the person they're not breaking up, but the husband is like missing her because she's going to be out in the atmosphere for you know a really long time. I just don't have the budget for space. Turns out I don't have the budget for <laughs> anything. So
0: <laughs> there you go. Right. I got a budget right. for
5: imagination. But uh, getting back to to jackassofalltrades.net, I, I drew a comic book version of this uh, idea I just explained in the castle with the mad scientists, and you can find it on there. So in February, I decided I'm going to make like a music video of this, or I'm going to try to make a Kickstarter. Uh, we, did, we made a Kickstarter for one of my dad's songs in 2017 uh, for a Christmas gift uh, for, for a song called Streets of Chicago, and uh, it, t- it took a lot of work and a lot of love, but it turned out to be a great project, so I kind of was hoping to replicate that. So we ended up starting it, and I went through the casting process to find all the people that were needed. And the musicians were going to play the parts of the you know, musicians in the music video. We were going to do a one-day shoot. Uh, and we started uh, February 13th, and it was to end on March 13th. Uh, but by March 13th, the world had changed significantly. So we didn't really have, uh, you know— It wasn't, I didn't even want to do it, even though I love my dad so much because I didn't want to put anybody in harm's way. You know, even getting everybody together on one day, we didn't know what we're facing with COVID. I don't want to be the guy to bring everybody together. and Something fun ends up getting everybody sick. My dad wouldn't want to get everybody sick with his music. I wouldn't want to get anybody sick with my dad's music. You know, we're not that, we don't want to do that. So, so I just figured we need to put it on the back burner. But now my uncle, your father, Adam, is a retired art teacher. Yes. So, the game has changed a little bit. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do another Kickstarter for the same music video idea. But this time, instead of having actors, we're going to have Uncle Mike make puppets of all the actors. And then we'll just, yeah, me and Adam are going to work together. And the plan is to create the same music video that you can find on that comic book on jackassofalltrades.net. But a music video version of it. And I've also got a bunch of great musicians that have worked together, and uh, we've got an awesome audio track, uh, a jamming track of this coming out on Halloween. Cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So you've got several things going on with this all at once, and like you um, the the Kickstarter is 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 up. I think was it yesterday? We're recording this on the sixth, so I think that it was yesterday, right?
5: Uh actually, I waited till today to make it to okay. where the first, the, the inaugural. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. This will come out actually next week, but actually, um, this Kickstarter is going to be all the way through the
5: 31st, right? That's correct. And on the 31st, you can actually get on uh, if you go if you go to Spotify, uh, you can type in Von Stein. It's V-O-N space S-T-E-I-N, and you can hear a previous track, Mister Misery. You can put that on your playlist. You can pre-save this track uh, for Faraway Angel. It's going to be available. On uh, Halloween, October thirty first, twenty twenty. So you can put it a part of your uh, your rotation if you'd like. It's also going to be coming out on iTunes and all the other uh, distribution services. So and it's really I had a lot of great friends. I worked uh, so the previous track we released, uh, Streets of Chicago, we did that at a friend of mine. uh, His name's Sean Allen. He's a great producer, Mm -hmm. and I had my friend Barrett Roth. Uh, He played electric guitar on that. And if you watch the Streets of Chicago music video, uh, in the music video. Uh, the concept of that music video for Streets of Chicago, it's actually really cool. We had a $1,000 budget, and I don't think that you would expect we had that kind of budget uh, if you watched it, because it's like a city, and it's like Jesus and the devil are walking towards one another in the city, and as they get closer to one another, uh, like as they, they're they walking in front of uh, things happening in the background, like people are doing things. Like at the beginning, uh, there's a woman in Jesus' scene, he walks past her, and her flowers are she smells them and they're very beautiful. And in the same scene, the devil walks past that woman and all the flowers die. And it gets zanier and zanier as it goes. At one point, Jesus walks past a beautiful woman that is a librarian. And then the devil walks past the same woman, and she's dressed up like very scandalous. You know, she looks very beautiful and very vivacious. And uh, at that point, the guitar player in the music video, his guitar like falls apart because he sees her, and she's so beautiful, he's distracted, and the guitar fell apart. So that's my friend Barrett. And it's funny, because that's actually his wife, Sydney, that's playing the, the role of the librarian and the temptress, so to speak. You know? So they got uh-huh. a kick, kick out of you know, that he's you know, lusting over her or whatever. But Barrett is actually a really good, uh, he's an incredible, besides being an incredible person and an incredible uh, musician, guitar player, he's an incredible sound uh, engineer himself. So, on July fourth, we went to his house, and uh, we decided we were going to throw it on a track uh, for faraway Angel Barrett uh, did all the sound engineer work he played the electric guitar on it, he played the bass guitar he did the uh, arrangement he went really close to what my father's version of it is, but my father uh he always played the song you know basically solo I mean, we played with neighbors and friends, but my dad never really had like a band but he had he, you know he's always been open to having a band to all of this music my dad loves all music all kinds all instruments he's you know open to anything and that was always his plan he actually had a uh, if he ever could uh, open a band he would call it 13 dogs and he'd have at least 13 instruments because he loves music that much you know uh so uh we did that we we, we did like a band track of this uh, barrett did the sound engineer the electric and the bass uh, we had uh matt urbanek he's a drummer here in atlanta uh, we had him throw down a drum track. He's also an incredible musician. You can check him out on Facebook. He's an incredible songwriter. He writes a lot of different songs, too. Uh, and then we had an incredible musician named Mark Williams, Mark T. Williams. And uh, he's an incredible violin player. This guy's such a good violin player when he, he warms up to, like, the Godfather theme song. It's, like, sad. I feel like I'll be like, you know, we're going to play a show, and I'm in the bathroom urinating, and I hear the Godfather theme song. I'm like, this is too pretty. <laughs> For me to be urinating to, I feel bad, (laughs) like you know. But he's incredible. I did a show once with him and Barrett actually on May fourth at Smitsel Bar, and we dressed up as Star Wars characters. And I dressed up as Princess Leia, and uh, Mark dressed up as Darth Maul. And his violin would change. It was like a lightsaber, and it changed all the different colors of lightsabers throughout the set. You you can actually find it if you go to uh, if you type in Von Stein on YouTube. Uh, I record, I live stream, and I record all of the shows that I'm a part of, and now I host a couple of shows a week uh, here in Atlanta, and I also upload those, so if you want to see a lot of good uh, entertainment, you guys trying to get your mind off of uh, all the craziness of the world, uh, you might want to check that out, it's free entertainment, a lot of good comedy, a lot of good music. I'm really blessed, my dad's such an amazing person, and, and such a great songwriter, that he has opened up opportunities for all these other people. On, yeah, I host they, shows on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and that's all because of dad's songs. It's know, crazy.
3: Jason, you really has a passion for all this. And guys, if you want to support this kicks, this Kickstarter, by all means, please do. Uh, give everybody where they can find that. What to, and I'll I'll put it on the show notes as well. But. Where yeah. People can find for the the uh u r l for people to find the Kickstarter
5: uh yeah, if you go to the Kickstarter and you type in far away angel round two uh we'll we'll pop up so okay if you type far in far away, away angel you can see two. what happened at round one and uh yeah you can, <laughs> there's a couple of, them, but round two is the current round that we're on, so we'll see <laughs> yeah
1: Let's and see you've it. got uh you've
3: got you, you set the goal not too very high on this actually.
5: So now I I said it is five hundred dollars because previously we were going to need a lot of money for makeup and some special effects and stuff like that. But now that we don't need all that makeup necessarily, you know, it kind of cuts down the cost. Plus, previously, we we actually the other Power Angel music video uh, with all the actors and everything, I was going to ask for two thousand dollars because that was kind of what we needed. Uh, but we've cut that down significantly. it's not, it's five hundred dollars that we need to make this music video, and, uh, yeah, I just want to make something cool. The plan is if we get the funding, uh, so we're gonna release a track on Halloween, but then we'll release this music video on my father's birthday next year, February thirteenth and that'll give us enough time to figure out how to make puppets work and all that kind of stuff.
3: yeah, and the puppets are actually already built um and we'll yeah. be you, you we'll be uh putting pictures um up soon on the kickstarter as well so yeah
5: uncle mike adam adam's father has done an incredible job it's really cool both of our dads came together to make this yeah, you know, this thing if you think about it so yeah,
3: so yeah. You, had, you had asked uh you, you had you had just mentioned doing the puppets and like he just started doing them and now they're finished they're like laying down here in
5: the bed so <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe it he was like so, already yeah so yeah that's the plan what we'll do is we'll uh upload a picture we're gonna each day i'm gonna upload new information that you can check out uh for this kickstarter you know some of it's going to be audio bits from the track uh information about the musicians involved uh but yeah information about you know uncle mike and adam and also we're going to show all the puppets and whatnot it's really cool they they remind me of uh you know 80s music videos i used to you know watch growing up which is really kind of like a a, a big like, time like, like Peter, Peter Gabriel, Gabriel. Yeah. yeah 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 it reminds yeah. me of that style which is really
1: uh yeah yeah really cool Surfio, was there anything you wanted to ask or oh no that just sounds real fun I can't wait to see it
5: yeah I'm excited to you know hopefully everything you know it, it's something special it's been a it's been a lot of work but it's definitely been worth it you know? it's a really good song I'm excited for people to hear it and hopefully pre-save it and follow along
3: right so let's get the uh let's get the conspiranormal army out there to, uh, to to throw a little bit of uh a little bit of uh money your way and uh hopefully we'll, we'll get this all done so yeah. thank you so much jason give that url one more time
5: uh yeah if you go to kickstarter far away angel round two search for that and you'll be able to find what you're looking for all
3: right excellent all right guys we'll be back in just a bit thank you Okay, welcome back to Normal, guys. That was uh, a very fascinating discussion with Robert Guffey.
1: Yeah, and um, I would just encourage everyone to go check out those articles, and uh, you may be seeing Robert Guffey um, on some uh, large uh, news outlets soon.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we very well may. Yeah. Um, this um this was a quite a uh, interesting show. I you know I read these articles yesterday and today, and um, I think like we pointed out that really him being so steeped in the conspiracy world. Really gives yeah. him a good way to look at it and really gives people like a, a reason to realize that, hey, that maybe that this is being kind of something that's kind of being manufactured.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, between his uh, Crypto Scatology book on Conspiracy Theories, uh, Conspiracy Theories Art Form, and uh, Gullius' book on Conspiracy Theories, I mean, those two really like the – encyclopedias of conspiracy theory to me as far as like giving a context and um having a, a history laid out if you're looking for something to kind of put all this in perspective
3: yeah absolutely uh, i was uh pretty impressed by that by those articles and uh, go check those out guys those are on salon um they are see i'm looking up the title here i've got it pulled up on um what they're called making sense of Q and on what lies behind the conspiracy theory. That's, that's eating America. That's the, uh, the title of it. So you guys go look those up. That's a five. It's like, I think for like five weeks he released those.
1: Yeah. And he's so. got a little page now on salon, um, little writer page where you can access all of them.
3: Yep. Yep. It was funny too because as we were like uh, our little like post show banter, he said that uh, ABC was calling to do like a little spot with him, and he told him that he was going to do Conspiranormal. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was going to get to he was going to get to them later.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's pretty cool, man. He really he really holds it down. Represents he's really you know certified in this in the uh, the history of conspiracy theory and studying it.
3: Yep, absolutely. That's uh, we're, we're, we're living in definitely a conspiratorial world. That's for damn sure. (laughs) So, okay guys. Um, that's it for this episode. Please, uh, just another thing that you probably heard in the little segment before this, uh, check out Jason Von Stein's, um, Kickstarter for his video for far away angel. We're actually going to play that at the end of this episode. So you guys will know what that sounds like. Um, so and also our material Patreon uh please join us there. We've tried to we were trying to get stuff up every week. We kind of uh have kind of slacked on that a little bit especially with Strange Realities conference but we're going to get back to all that soon. And That is $1 to join at the moment, but things are probably going to be changing on there pretty soon. We're going to have some new tiers, some new rewards for people to sign up and all that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Sergio?
1: Yeah, uh, you can just uh, check us out at uh, Conspiranormal or patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Um, We are going to be doing some new tiers and uh, having some exclusive swag on there. Uh, We really want to do... a a patreon exclusive t-shirt um you can check out our our other t-shirts on our t public page but we want to do one uh, especially for the supporters and um you know provide some some more incentive to uh help us out and uh, keep the lights on around here Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh yeah just uh patreon.com slash conspiranormals where you can find us
3: Yep, and don't forget the YouTube channel go give us a subscribe on there that'll help as well and Five Star Reviews nobody's left a review lately so uh, help us out with that on iTunes alright I think that's it um, join us next week guys we're going to have some more interesting good normal stuff on this show Conspiranormal
0: one-time donation
5: So, Mama.